kindness on your part uh, that you came. So I want to thank you that personally. I'm excited. I wish I was a visitor because uh, every gift bag, preacher told me, has a $100 bill in it. And, and he said, should you by chance get one that doesn't have it, just see him <laughs> after, after church and he'll make that right. Probably, probably for my, my offering. Uh, that was just a joke. That was just a joke. Well, amen. All right. I want you over your Bibles too somewhere. Um, uh, go, to, uh, go to Revelation chapter one and we're going to go there. We're going to go several places in the scripture tonight. Uh, I really got a shock. Now, we leave tomorrow. We get up about 3 o'clock, go to hit the, hit the plane, get back to Boise. I have to take a missionary to dinner tomorrow night, and then we have to speak to the... Uh, it's actually the, the entire student body plus anybody that wants to come from the church, uh, and that is a three-hour service <clears throat> that we do. Uh, and I got, I got shocked. We were talking about 9-11 in a class one day, and I found out that most of my class was born after it happened. I was just just a shock, and um, I don't know if you if you were around at that time. Of course, uh, most of us. I don't know if there's anybody here that was in New York City proper uh, when that happened. We were in a meeting up in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, and fortunately we had driven in because uh, you couldn't fly out. I remember the thing I remember the most, besides what we saw on the on the screen of what happened, they shut plane planes down for three days. For three days, there were, there were all, all flights were canceled, nobody going in, nobody going out. Uh, and it was so funny for three days to look up and it'd be quiet. I'm just one of those guys, when I, when I hear a plane, I know what it is, but I just got to look. I just got to look at a plane. I don't know why that is. But for three days, there were no planes in the sky. They shut it down. And for you who didn't live through that, uh, there are those who lived through COVID. Uh, and, uh, and if there was anything COVID did, it was shut things down. Uh, I got, uh, I was telling pastor and his wife, we were, I was, I'd flown into Houston for a meeting and I got up Sunday morning, got in Saturday, got up Sunday morning, had the breakfast at the motel and Monday morning there was no breakfast. They'd shut that down because of COVID. I don't know if it was me sneezing over the food that had anything to do with it, but, um, <laughs> uh, and, and, um, literally you, you hear those, uh, small businesses that got shut down for the whole summer. I'm one of them. Uh, everything canceled from the middle of March until, uh, until October, uh, I spent the entire summer down at the interstate on-ramp with a piece of cardboard. <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> but everything got shut down. And, and I'll be honest, guys, it was kind of tragic. Uh, people wanted to go see their, their, their loved ones, maybe in a hospital, couldn't go, go to the hospital, couldn't go in a nursing home, couldn't, uh, couldn't do it. There's just a lot of stuff that, uh, that we couldn't do because it got shut down, and that's how it is. What I want to talk to you about tonight is some things that are predestinated. You know what predestination means? That means it's going to happen. Uh, you're the pastor. After this is over, uh, we are going to, it's predestined that we're going to go to the next building and eat. Of course, it'll be dawn by the time I'm done, but still, <laughs> it's predestined, okay? And when I say predestinated, I just mean that this is going to happen and nobody can shut it down. There's not going to be any kind of a uh, national emergency, local emergency, world emergency, where, where, well, you had this plan, but it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. It, everything that we're going to talk about tonight is in the future, uh, or most of it. There's one. But uh, it's in the future, and it's going to happen. Now, I may say something tonight, and you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, it's okay. You will. You will. 
Uh, I was telling you this morning that when I, I, I spoke to that physicist, and, uh, and you know, I told him what I, uh, he told me what he believed, and I told him what I believed, and we were like opposite poles. And, and then I told him this, I said, now doc, I said, you know there's only one difference between what you and I believe? And when I said one, he, he, he kind of like, what? Because it was like we didn't believe anything the same except that we were both in the same room. And we, if he studied Descartes, he wasn't even sure of that. And so, um, and so he says, one. I said, yeah, one. He said, what is it? I said, well, the Bible says, and as it is appointed man, uh, unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. I said, Doc, five seconds after you die, you're going to believe everything I just told you. Doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe it. Well, you will. Okay. Uh, I can tell you this. Everybody, five seconds after they die, becomes a Bible believer. And they got it straight where we don't have it. Okay. And it says here, look at, uh, look at verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Uh, and, and he sent and signified it by his angel uh, unto his servant John. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you now, God, for your goodness, your grace, and your very great kindness. Lord, you are all-powerful and almighty, and that is just amazing, but then you are also gentle and kind. And those things, they, they almost seem like they can't exist in the same being, but you are that one. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord God, uh, these folks that visited tonight, there's probably somebody that did come because they said they would come. They, re they even had second thoughts, probably thought, about, I'm just not going to go. Well, I told them I'd go, so I will. So there's probably somebody here that's really not excited about being here, but they came. That is honorable, Father. That is honorable. That's character. And so bless these folks that came tonight. These visitors, bless them. Uh, they've been talking to you. Somebody here, they've been talking to you about something uh, in prayer. Heed their prayer. Uh, and, and let them know that you got your eye on them, Father. It's very, very, very kind that they would come tonight. And then God, uh, bless the service. Get Sam Gipp out of your way, out of the way of these people, that they might get something that would edify them, that they being edified, <clears throat> they would then go out and live to your glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, the first thing I want you to do, I want you to go, if you will, to uh, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in Titus chapter 2, you know, I was telling this morning, much of the Bible, so much of the Bible speaks of the future, Old Testament and New. It speaks of the future. And it says this in Titus chapter 2, look at verse 13, looking unto that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when I got saved, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, there was no Bible in our home. And uh, I went to this church and they started talking. When, when I got saved, they started talking about the Lord coming back. I didn't know what that meant. When they talked about the Lord coming back, I thought that meant he was going to come back here, be born in a, in a manger again, and go through the whole deal that happened in, in the Gospels. You say, why did you believe that? Because I'd never heard it. I never heard it. Never thought about the Lord coming back. And, and then I got saved and I, and I began to find out what this was about. Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it says this in verse 13. But I'd not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, uh, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself 
uh, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Sometimes people read this passage, they don't tack on verse 18, but let's face it, guys, that's where the comfort is, just to get out of here. The Bible is one of the most comforting books, and the Bible can be comforting in the middle of a storm. We were talking this morning, uh, you know, you spank your child, uh, and then when they're crying, you know what you do? You, you, you bring them to you and let them know, it's okay, it's okay, I still love you, all right? And when the Lord, uh, when he disciplined Israel in the Old Testament, and it was some terrible things that happened to him, then he would draw them to him and he'd say, it's okay, I'm not writing you off, I'm going to gather you back to me, I, you're still mine. And, and the, the Bible always gives some great comfort. But one of these days, there is going to be what we know, what we, we use the word rapture. It's not a Bible word. Uh, in fact, the Bible definition uh, was found back in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, the blessed hope. Now, I don't know where you are on this next election, but for some of you, the Democratic Party may be your hope. And for others, the Republican Party may be your hope. And if you're saved, you have a blessed hope. See, I don't, I'm not trusting the Democrats, and I'm not trusting the Republicans, okay? I've been around long enough to see them both in action, and, uh, and I'm, not too, I'm not too enthused. If I had a car ran like either one of those parties, I would have gotten rid of it a long time ago. But, but our hope is a blessed hope. So what's that? We're going to get out of here. They say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you will. Now, I, uh, I didn't, when, I was, when I was lost, <clears throat> if you'd have said 666, I wouldn't know what that meant. If you'd have said um, rapture, I wouldn't know what that meant. And the whole world knows about it. It's amazing how much, how much incidental Bible that the world knows. Uh, there was a guy who put out a bunch of books called uh, Left Behind. And I talked to a guy on an airplane, lost as a goose in a hailstorm. And he said, I read every one of the Left Behind books. But he knew what was coming. And guys, somebody says, well, you know, if I get elected, uh, you know, we're going to go this direction. And somebody says, well, if I get elected, we're going to go this direction. And both those may be true, unless they are really politicians. <laughs> but one of these days, the Lord's going to come back. And he, he did not put a date on the calendar. Uh, he did tell us some things like that the world would be in great disorder. I don't know if you would consider this right now <laughs> great disorder. If it isn't, I don't want to see great disorder, Okay. But one of these days, the Lord is going to come back, and he's going to get us out of here. Now, I will show you something. Look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Now, the Bible says that we will be changed in a moment <clears throat> in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, and for that reason, some people think when we, when we leave, we're going to disappear. I don't believe that myself. Uh, I think we're going to go, the Bible tells us that when the Lord ascended into heaven, he was crucified, uh, he was buried three days and three nights later, he rose from the dead. He is, I, I told you this morning, he's more alive right now than all of us in this room. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is more alive than, than we are. And, uh, and he was here for 40 days after his, after his resurrection, and then he ascended bodily into heaven. And this is the record of his ascension. Look at verse 8. Uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, uh, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. And then look what it says. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. He didn't just disappear. 
Now, you know, I, I was telling you guys, when you read your Bible, enter the scene that you're reading. You need to be there. So, so imagine you're here. Now, you understand, after he said these words to them, he ascended, but they didn't know that was going to happen. I mean, it wasn't like he said, uh, okay, guys, uh, you know, I got to talk fast. My cloud's going to be here in about five minutes. <laughs> he is talking to them as he had talked to them all of the time in his ministry, all the time he had in the last 40 days. They don't know what's going to happen. And, and I don't think this happened. I don't think when he said this, he, he finishes verse eight, uh, go to Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. I don't think when he finished that last verse, that verse eight, he went five, four, three, two. I don't think that happened. Now, have you ever been talking to somebody? What would you do if you're talking to somebody? I put myself in the, in the position of the, of the apostles, okay? And it's kind of like this is last minute instructions. And somebody probably is right on their hand because that's what people do. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jerusalem. Okay, Judea. Samaria. Uttermost part. Okay, we got that. All right. And uh, <laughs> have you ever talked to anybody and they floated away? <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no better way to do it. There's no better way to explain it. And he disappeared. Now, do you believe this? Once he disappeared in the cloud, they went, well, okay, he's gone, guys. Want to go fishing? My personal feelings, I think they watched that cloud for a while. I would. Not that I think I'm going to see him in about five seconds coming back out of it like this. But, and then, and this leads to one of the most, I'm sorry, but at least one of the most unfair questions in the Bible. It really is not fair. Look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, uh, he was taken up. Uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly, you know what that means? They were standing fast. They're glued. They are. Have, have you ever had anything happen? It just went, you went, well, that's what they just did. And they, they can't even think of what the next function is because they're, what just happened? While they stood steadfastly, uh, uh, looked steadfastly toward heaven. Uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, that is not fair. I, they never, I never see anybody float away. I could just see him go, are you, did you see what he just did? Listen, listen, I have been with him for three and a half years. I've seen him walk on water. I've seen him raise the dead. I've never seen him fly. But that is how he went, and that is how we will go. I think they'll see us go. Uh, and, it, and the problem is, probably by the time we're that far off the ground, it's already too late for them. They're already in line for the next chapter uh, of what is going to happen. But I will let everybody know, and, and you know, if you are a visitor and you say, I've never heard such a crazy thing, yes, you have. Yes, if you watch TV, you heard a lot of crazy stuff. Isn't that true? And so... Uh, you say, well, I never heard such a crazy thing. Well, get used to it because this one's real. This is not going to be computer-generated uh, uh, graphics or anything like that. This is going to be real. And when that happens, that is going to begin a, a, a clock ticking that's going to go for seven years, and it's going to be most seven unpleasant years on the planet. Uh, I want you to go, if you will, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says this. It talks about uh, the Antichrist coming. He's going to come. 
He may be here now, not, not here, I hope. But um, he's got to be on a planet now. And there's going to be uh, something take place in Israel. And it says this in verse 4, Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that as God, uh, and, and so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now somebody says, well, how is he going to show himself that he's God? Well, imagine you got a job, and you tell all your friends, I am the boss. I am the president of the company. And to prove it, one day you drive through the parking lot, and you pull right into the parking spot with the sign that says, reserved for the president. You see that? Right there. I am the president of the company. Yeah, now get out quick before the real thing shows up. He's going to sit in the temple. Now, here's the problem. There's no temple. There is no temple right now. And one of these days, then the next thing I'm going to tell you, uh, the rapture is going to happen. And maybe this one, maybe this one happened before we leave, but the, there is going to be a rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you what I heard. And um, I didn't agree with it. But if I don't agree with something, I'll still look it over because it might be right. And here's what I heard a guy say many years ago. He said, the Jews don't have to build the temple. Now, the temple, I mean, it's made out of stones. Uh, it would be a lot of construction. It would be some time in building. Uh, but the Bible says that they're going to build that temple. But this guy was preaching, and he said, they don't have to build the temple. And I thought, well, they do have to build the temple. He said, they could just put up the tabernacle. Now, has anybody here ever been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania? Okay, did you go to the Mennonite College and see the tabernacle? There's a Mennonite college in, in um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and they've got a room where they have a life-size reproduction of the tabernacle. And guys, it's not big. It's not much bigger than a one-car garage, okay? Because you have to remember, they, they, they set it up. It was just a big tent. They set it up. Uh, it was the focus of their worship, and then they folded it up, and then they moved on. And that was where, that was where God, they, they met with God until the temple was built. Uh, and this guy said, all they have to do is put the tabernacle up. Well, now, you know, I have a minor in English, and I know that temple and tabernacle are two different words. I can spell one of them. The other one I kind of get lost on. But, <laughs> and then I said, it says the temple. It doesn't say the tabernacle. And then I'm reading my Bible. It's a good thing to read your Bible. I'm reading my Bible, and I got to a very honest-sounding book, First Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 9, the temple had not been built yet. The tabernacle was up. And the, the priest, Eli, is sitting by the post of the tabernacle, but the Bible says this, and as he sat by the door of the post of the temple. Then you go to same same book, chapter 3, and in verse 1, it says, ere the light went out in the temple. There was no temple, not as we know it, not the building. That was the tabernacle. And yet twice God called that tent, the, tab, uh, the tabernacle, what we know as the tabernacle, twice he called it the temple. So the guy that I disagreed with might be right. Now, I still think they're going to put up a building. I still think they're going to clear the spot. I think they're going to put in the bricks and everything else that he's done. But that may not be what it is. They may just put up the tent. Who knows? Maybe they'll buy it from the guys in Pennsylvania, you know, and just say, ship it over here and we'll put it up. 
But the fact is that one way or another, there is going to be a building on this planet. It's going to be in Jerusalem. It's going to be up there by the Dome of the Rock. We were, I told you, we were in Israel a few years ago, and we went 27 feet underground. Did you ever hear that song, uh, I walked today where Jesus walked? Well, if you ever go to Israel, you cannot sing that song. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I'm, I'm, on, I'm right where he walked. I, I walked it. No, no, no. You sing it like this. I walked 27 feet above today where Jesus walked. Because it's 27 feet underground. The, the ground that the Lord walked on is 27 feet below the surface. Because when a nation, when a country in, in those days, when a, when a city was destroyed in war, they didn't have bulldozers. They couldn't clean it all off. So what they did, they just brought in a bunch of dirt, leveled it, and built on top of that. Israel, Jerusalem had been destroyed seven times. And they built and built and built and built. So there's one place where you can go 27 feet down and you literally are standing by a wall which is the old wall of Jerusalem. And I mean the, the stones in that thing are about 10 feet long and about two and a half feet tall and about two feet thick. I don't know who in the world put those in but I would be his friend, okay? <laughs> And then you come to one point. You're, you're walking through a little, uh, I mean, it's like a cavern. If, you're, if you got claustrophobia, this will not be the high point of your journey. And, and I have a little bit of it, but it was okay, except for the crying and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but you come to a little alcove. All of a sudden, you come to a little alcove. Uh, you're, you're walking this little path, and, you, and it keeps on going. But suddenly, it goes out about 20 feet, uh, and, and to the right, it's indented. And so after we, and, and there's Jews in there praying. And so we got past that and we asked our guide, what was that? And they said, well, that spot is the closest they can get to the center, to where the temple was. In fact, in 1980, at that spot, Israel began to bore underground to get to the place where the temple was. They were going to build the temple underground. But the Muslims had, uh, had, had, um, uh, speakers in the ground. They heard the boring and they stopped it and they had to cement it all up. But the Jews, because that is the closest they can get to where their temple was, <clears throat> they pray there. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the Dome of the Rock, I don't know if it's going to be an earthquake, if it's going to be a bomb. I just know one of these days it's going to be gone. I think it's going to be the brick and mortar or the stone and mortar temple, but it doesn't have to be. They could put this thing up in one day and the temple will be there. And the Bible says the Antichrist is going to come. Now, now let me just give you a thought, okay? Because since you probably have a TV, you haven't had a thought. But um, I had a guy, all right, think about this. To, to be accepted by the world, the Antichrist has to, has to do something great. Well, I don't think he's going to balance the budget. I really don't. I'm, I'm serious. I don't think he's going to balance, nobody's going to balance our budget and nobody's going to balance the world's budget, and the whole world is in financial trouble. So there's going to have to be something else. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's one particular religion of peace. That's P-I-E-C-E. -E. They want this peace right here. And there's a religion of peace that's been cutting off everybody's heads, and they kill, they kill Jews. They kill Christians. They're killing, they're killing communists in China. Uh, they are killing Hindus. They are killing other Muslims. And everybody's afraid to upset him. Well, I can understand why. And this guy said, well, what if the Antichrist did this? Now, nobody's going to know he's the Antichrist, but what if he says he just knocks him in the head? I mean, bowls him over. 
I mean pounds them to powder. And suddenly the world is going to go. And then he looks at Israel and says this. Now you don't have to worry about anybody invading you. Go build your temple up on that rock. And I'll tell you what, if you'll let me, I'd like to be there for the dedication. And so they build that. And three and a half years into the tribulation, he shows up for the dedication and they go, oh, we are so glad you're here. Look, right here in the front row, we have the honored seat for you. He goes, oh, no, no. No, I'm not going to sit there. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. This is the best seat. This is the very, this is the seat of, no, no, I'm not going to sit there. Well, where do you want to sit? Oh, I know where I want to sit. And he starts up the steps to the temple. And they may like him, but if he's a Jew, he doesn't belong in there. And he's going to go, I think I'll go sit where I'm supposed to sit on the mercy seat in the temple. And, he's going to, and they're going to go, you can't do that. And he's going to, I'll show you what I can and cannot do. And he is going to sit in the temple, as it says, because if I sit in the parking place, they'll know that I'm the real thing. Now, you say, well, that sounds strange. You've heard stranger, except this one is real. So there's going to be a blessed hope. People are going to leave. There's going to be a building of the temple. There's going to be a one world dictatorship. I'll look at Revelation chapter 13. I've just got 75 more of these and then we'll go eat. <laughs> and in Revelation chapter 13, we may well right now be seeing the first few verses of Revelation chapter 13 taking place. Because look what it says. Now, it is the beast. The beast is the one who is going to be the Antichrist. It says, uh, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the, uh, rise up out of the sea, uh, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his, his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw uh, was like unto a leopard, uh, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat, and his great authority. Does that not sound like the beast is not going to make himself a one world ruler? Somebody's already got the one world government in place? Now, I don't know if you, uh, honest, I don't study dictators. I really don't. I'm a Baptist preacher, but we really don't study those guys. But um, you know what I do notice, just kind of an offhanded uh, glance at dictators over history? I've never seen any of them that when they got to the pinnacle of their power, they said, I think I'll give all of my power and seat and authority to somebody else. One thing a dictator wants is he wants the power and he wants it to his last breath. But this says that this dragon, now I believe this dragon is here. Well, who's the dragon? Well, it is probably an organization. Some people call them the Illuminati. Some people call them the Bilderbergs. Don't worry, I'm not getting into conspiracy theories. We're not going to be passing out, you know, tinfoil hats. I left mine in the car. <laughs> but <clears throat> this dragon is going to get a one world government in place. And then when they do, the beast shows up and they go, okay, you can have it. That's the most amazing thing I ever read. But if you watch what took place over COVID, did we not see governments around the world doing some rather dictatorial, uh, unscrupulous, unfeeling things? I mean, somebody wasn't wearing a mask, so a cop put his arm around his neck and choked him? I mean, we hear about cops choking people, and that's a bad thing, but it did, nobody got upset when they did that. And people were beaten with clubs because they didn't want to get a shot or they didn't want to put a mask on. And what I suspect we may be seeing 
we may be seeing that dragon consolidating world power. That has to happen. The dragon has to have the power because it says he's already got it when the beast shows up. Then he hands it off to the beast. So the beast isn't going to consolidate the power. That's going to happen before he shows up. And we may be seeing the beginning of that by what we see in our country. We are closer to a dictatorship than this nation has ever been. The world, you, you know, the, I don't know if you saw it. Oh, this sounds like real conspiracy, but did anybody ever see the pictures that compare uh, Justin Trudeau they, side by side with Fidel Castro? Yeah, yeah. Did anybody ever see Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre? His father, Pierre, was kind of a slanted shoulder, little thin guy, thin, wispy hair, doesn't look anything. He doesn't look anything like Pierre. He looks like Fidel Castro. And he's acting like a dictator. And a whole bunch of places are starting to act like dictators. And a whole bunch of places are all getting together. So at some point, there is going to be a one world government. I don't claim to know how that's going to happen. But it may be happening as we speak. And if that is happening, then, then somewhere along the line, these wheels are turning. And we are headed toward this. And there is going to be a one world dictatorship. Uh, there's nothing anybody, you say, well, I don't want that to happen. Who cares? Really, I mean, who cares, right? I, so, I told you, this is predestined. The Bible said this is going to happen, and you and I aren't going to stop it. Uh, I hate to say this. There is going to be a worldwide tribulation. That is the word we use. It is going to be seven years long. Now, I am not going to be in it. You say, why? Blessed hope. I am out of here before it happens. I like that part, okay? Um, but that tribulation, and I've heard, I've heard some of the brethren, they talk like the first three and a half years is nothing but high gas prices, which means we may be already in it. But um, guys, you know, uh, I talked to guys who were in Vietnam, and they said they'd have an area that they were always having trouble with the, with the Viet Cong uh, or with uh, the North Vietnamese regular army. And so what they would do is they would go into an area and move everybody out. They would empty the villages. They would give them another place to live. They would empty the village, uh, the whole area, and they would make it what's called a free fire zone. And what that meant was anybody in there is a bad guy. You can shoot him. And so at any time at night or day, if somebody showed up, boom, 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 they got him. It's free fire zone. The tribulation is going to be a, it is going to be when the earth for seven years as a divine free fire zone for God. You say, why would a God of love do that? Maybe he's tired of the jokes. Maybe he's tired of his name being used every time somebody got mad. Maybe he hasn't forgotten about the nails in his son's hands or the lashes across his back or the crown of thorns in his head. Maybe he just got tired of, of I'd rather party. You know, I... Um, I'm a football fan. I quit. I gave up on the on the NFL when they gave up on America. But I like college. And I, I don't know if you saw the uh, what was it? It was at uh, Alabama, Alabama, and LSU last night. But you know what's the most impressive thing about it? The stadium. If you saw that, this is a huge stadium, hundred and some thousand people. And if there was an empty seat, I couldn't see it. And I looked at that, and I, I love it. But every time I say this, I tell the Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, because we couldn't get that many people in church service to save our lives. And 
He's a very, he's, he said he's slow to anger. You know, people say, well, God's never going to do anything bad. Oh, no, no. He said vengeance is mine. But he just comes to a real slow boil. But once he boils, somebody's going to get burned. And there is going to be a worldwide uh, tribulation. <clears throat> you say, what happened? Now, let me tell you. I'll tell you what happened with me. I, I told you I was, uh, before I got saved, I'm sitting in a bar. I, just, I figured it out that I was going to hell. And um, when, I, when I realized I was going to hell, I made two, two constant, constant, uh, conscious decisions, changes in my life. The first one was, on a day like today, like a blue sky day, you know why I like my God? Let me ask you this. What if, uh, what if somebody here said, oh, I can't wait till tomorrow? Why? Because yesterday we bought a brand new car and we're picking it up tomorrow. Really, what color is it? Green with a blue top. Bet you got a good price. <laughs> is there anybody here in the market for a green car with a blue top? But how many times this summer did you wake up and see those beautiful blue green trees and green grass with a blue sky over top of it? Can our God put colors together? This is some God, okay? And when I saw a blue sky day and I knew I was going to hell, I tried to take a mental picture of it because I thought when I go to hell... The only thing I'm going to take with me is my memory. Maybe, maybe when I'm in hell, and I mean, I'm talking about suffer, flame, the whole nine yards. Maybe I'll be able to remember what a blue sky day looks like. And that way, if there's any relief in hell, that's all I'm going to get. I, and the second thing I did, <clears throat> I quit taking God's name in vain. Uh, I, uh, I could have I given sailors language school, okay, recruits. I mean, it was pretty bad. And I didn't change any of that, except I quit taking God's name. I quit talking about Jesus Christ. I quit asking God to damn things. And you say, why did you do that? Well, I'm already going to hell. That's not the big deal. But here's what I told God. You made a way for me to get to heaven. The Ten Commandments. It is not your fault that I broke them. No, it's not your fault I'm going to hell. But the fact that you were nice enough to have given me a shot, the fact that you made a way for me to get there, the Ten Commandments, I, I, in 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 appreciation, I'm not taking your name in vain anymore. And that's what I did. So I quit taking God's name in vain, took the shots of blue, the, the blue sky days. Uh, I was in a college to go to, to become a computer programmer. And uh, look, I guys, I remember, I worked on computers when they had a crank on the side. You know, they, honest, the one I worked on went from here to the wall. And, and so uh, I'm getting ready to graduate. And, uh, I'll be honest, uh, we were going to have graduation, then we were going to go have a party, and I knew I wasn't going to be particularly sober on the way home. So I thought on a Monday, and I'd been going to this independent Baptist church for a while, and I heard the gospel, and, and, and you know what those Baptists thought? They thought they was going to heaven. You know what I thought? I thought they were too. They were nice people. Oh, they weren't going to heaven because they were Baptists. Listen, listen. You know, I, I feel sorry for the Baptists. Did you ever, you, you Baptists, you ever hear anybody say this? Well, you Baptists think you're the only ones going to heaven. We're the only ones that don't think we're the only ones. The Mormons say you have to be a Mormon to go to heaven. The Muslims say you have to be a Muslim to get to heaven. I've read the goods. The Catholic Church says you've got to be a Catholic to get to heaven. We're the only ones that don't think you have to be. You don't have to be a Baptist to get to heaven. In fact, being a Baptist isn't getting anybody to heaven. It's trusting the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the payment already made by Jesus Christ, taking that as yourself and giving up on your own righteousness and on your religion. So I've been going to this church, you know, uh, and all they told me was I was going to hell. I knew that. 
uh, they told me that I could be saved, and I knew that they could, but I just knew I was too bad. I was, I was planning to rob her. I was going to do some bad stuff. So I took this Christian with me because I, I, I took up where we're going to have, I knew where I was going to have the party. And I, I wanted to have driven from the party home sober once and hoped Friday night that I would make it home. And, um, and I don't mean this wrong, but I will, I will fight against the odds until I know there's no hope. Uh, if I were on the Titanic, I would have been bailing until they said, there's no hope, we're going down. And at that point, I'd have said, okay, get me a glass iced tea, I'll sit down in a deck chair and enjoy the rest of the ride. I don't ever mess with, you know, like people say, have you ever been on an airplane you thought it was going to crash? Well, a few times, you know, it suddenly we dropped a few thousand feet. Well, did you scream? Not louder than the guy next to me. <laughs> no, you know, I had a little bit of culture and a little bit of dignity. I cried a little, but, um, but no, you know, I thought, I thought, well, I guess this is what it's going to be like. That's the only thing I, my reaction is, well, what am I going to do? Do you think yelling is going to keep the plane up? And so, um, uh, I, I, if, you, if you said, Gip, you're going to go to hell, that wasn't going to scare me. I knew I was going to hell. I just didn't think I could be saved. So we're, all, we're coming back, and this Christian began not to tell me about hell. They began to tell me about the tribulation. I had never heard of the tribulation. They're telling me about the water turning to blood. Now, that is not an exciting thought. They're talking to me about hailstones coming out of, the ground, out of the sky that weigh 52 pounds. You ever seen a 50-pound block of ice? What if there was a hailstone or hailstorm over this city dropping 50-pound blocks of ice for about an hour? This building would probably not be here and a whole bunch of them wouldn't be here. And they're telling me about these things that were going to come out of the earth and they were going to have teeth like lions, a tail like a scorpion, and, and hair like Hillary. And you know what I thought? I thought, I know I'm going to hell. I didn't know hell was coming to me. That bothered me. And I, I'll be honest with you. You know what I did? I'm, I'm going 75 miles down the road. I went to prayer. Don't worry. I did not close my eyes. But I went to prayer. A Christian didn't even know I was praying. But here's what I said to God. I wasn't trying to get points. Take, quit taking his name in vain. I wasn't trying to get points with him. But I tried to cash in today. And I said this. It, to my, while I'm driving, I said, Lord, you, I know I'm going to hell, and you know I haven't taken your name in vain for a, a year or two because in appreciation that you made a way for me to get to heaven. And, and since I haven't taken your name in vain, if there was a free way to heaven, I'm not saying you'd save me, but I think you'd let me know it so I could make my choice. And I've often said it. It was like at that moment, the first time I ever felt like God spoke to me. And he reached down in front of that, in that Volkswagen, smacked me across the head, and said, hey, stupid. Now, if you are ever in prayer and you hear those two words, please hang up. This is a private call, okay? But he said, hey, stupid. What do you think sitting right beside you? I look right beside me. Here's somebody telling me about a free way to heaven. And I knew that moment I could be saved. You said, why didn't you pull off? I didn't know. I didn't know I could. I, I, I thought if I'd have known I could pull off the, the highway, I'd have got saved alongside the highway. But I had to wait till Sunday. Sunday, man, they gave the invitation. I hit the altar. Listen, I got down on my knees, according to John chapter 8, verse 44. I got down on my knees, the son of the devil. I got off my knees, according to John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, them gave me power to become the sons of God. 
I got down on my knees, on a, a son of devil. I got off my knees, a son of God. I got on my knees on my way to hell. I got off my knees on my way to heaven. No, they didn't baptize me because baptism doesn't do it. I didn't get off my knees a Baptist. I didn't get off my knees anything more than I was the Catholic that I was, except that now I had given up on all religion, all, any goodness that I had done, and I'd taken his death, burial, and resurrection as the payment for my sin. But you know the worst thing about the tribulation? The worst thing about the tribulation is that Bill Gates is going to get his wish. Do you know what Bill Gates has said? He said there's too many people in the world. We need to reduce the population of the world by 50%. This from the guy that gave you a vaccine so you wouldn't die. Okay. So what do you mean? I mean that during that tribulation, amongst other things, half of the population of the world will die. Take a look at Revelation chapter 6. And in Revelation chapter 6, look at verse 7, it says this, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. <laughs> it will not be Clint Eastwood. And his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Now, let's just say for, for figuring, 8 billion people. We're right about 8 billion people in the world. Now, you say, well, get, get, that didn't say half the world. It said a fourth. You're right. So I got 8 8 billion people and one-fourth is going to die. That's what? Now you got how many? Yeah. Look, even if you went to public school, you know you got six. Some of you are afraid to, to I can tell. You got six billion people left. Now look at chapter nine. Look at chapter nine. And it says this, verse 16, and the number of the army of the horsemen was 200,000 thousand. And heard the number of them, and thus I saw the horses in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and of Jason and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were the heads of iron, and out of their mouths issued uh, smoke and fire and brimstone. And by these three was the third part of men killed. Okay, look up here. We had eight billion people to start with. We lost two billion. We got lost a quarter of that in chapter six. And in chapter 9, we lose a third of what's left. You just halved the population of the globe. Guys, do you understand how horrible it's going to be? I don't think you do. I don't think I do. I don't think any of us can understand what this is going to be like. That's why he's coming to take his church out of here. He's coming to take those who trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior out of here before this happens. Is that not an act of love? Is that not a blessed hope? And guys, there's going to be a tribute. So I don't believe that. Yeah, the problem is that by the time you do, it's going to be too late. Because if you're not, if you stare, if, if you happen to be one of those guys watching us go, you're in trouble. Because all things change then. And you're just going to have to hang on, hope to get to the end of it. But it is going to be half of the population that is going to die. Well, I don't believe it. The world can't stop it. It's predestinated. Well, I just won't believe it. Well, don't. 
We could all we could all jump up and down and say nothing in Revelation is ever going to happen. It's all a, it's all a fairy tale. It's all we can all we could have the don't believe Revelation society. We could found it tonight, and it wouldn't change one word of this book because the world can't stop this. They can't stop the blessed hope. They can't stop the temple from being rebuilt. They can't stop a one world government from coming into power. They can't st stop the Antichrist, the beast, from being the guy that runs the world. And they can't stop one half of this world and the horrible tribulation is gonna, this world is going to endure. The only thing that amazes me, if you want the truth, if it's God finally calling out vengeance for all of man's evil and wickedness, it shocks me that it's only seven years. I would think it'd be about 50. But it's only seven. There's one more thing. Man can't do anything about this. Nobody can stop this. I want you to go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 10. And in Romans chapter 10, there is a great truth, a wonderful truth. Now, I think, I think if you've been around a while, you have heard a Democrat say, vote for me and I'll do this, and he never did it. And you heard a Republican say, vote for me and I'll do this, and he never did it. You say, why? Well, they're just two liars. I'm sorry. They're not going to help you. They just want to get it. Guys, isn't your goal... A man has a twofold goal in life. Get a job, keep the job. You think the politicians, that's their job. They want to get in office and never get out. So they'll promise you anything and give you nothing. But look what it says in Romans chapter 10. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look at verse 13. For whosoever, that is anybody, guys, there is not a person in this room that is left out of that verse. There's not a person on this planet. The most despicable person walking this earth right now is not, is not exempted from the, the, the promise of this, of this verse. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Time I got saved, I was planning a robbery. Uh, me and a buddy of mine are going to break into a guy's house. We're going to steal some stuff. Uh, obviously, we're going to do that when he, when he wasn't home. And my friend said, well, what do we do if he comes home and catches us? I said, we'll kill him. I really didn't care. I really didn't care. My life was a mess. The 19th year on this planet was the worst one I ever had. And I just figured just crank up the heat for 20 because I'm going to hell anyway. And June 14th, 1970, I told you I'm standing in a Baptist church like this. from right about where they're sitting. They gave the invitation and I came down. And I, I did what that book said. Now, here's the amazing thing. As a Catholic, I always believed Jesus was the Trinity. I believed in the Trinity. I believed he died for me. Uh, I believe he rose again. I believe he ascended. So well, what was the difference? I made it personal. It wasn't a general concept that it happened, but I made it personal. So how personal? So personal that I gave up on everything else I was trusted to get me to heaven. Not taking God's name in vain, that wasn't going to do it being a member of a church, being an American, trying to be a good person. Look, every person in here, you know two things about yourself. You know some very good things. That if, if you want to show that you're a good person, you got a litany of all the good things that you have done. And then you got the things you're not going to talk to anybody about because you know the real you. And you know what I did? I came that day as the real me 
and I gave up on the good things that I had done. And to get saved, you know what you got to do? You got to give up. What? I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe it is your religion. Maybe, maybe there's a Baptist in here that you got baptized, but you never really trusted Christ. If that's, if that's what you're trusting to get you to heaven, you need to give up on that and take the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Well, my religion teaches this. You have to give up on it. Maybe that's not the problem. Maybe, maybe we've got somebody, and I don't mean it's a bad way. You march for the cure. Uh, you're trying to stop uh, human trafficking. You, 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 feel for the, you, you feel for people that have cancer or horrible, horrible diseases, and you're actively trying to do, do something about it. That is a very good cause. But you've got to give up on that because no matter what good you do, it's not good enough. Maybe I've got somebody here that is going to save Mother Earth, and you recycle, and you do everything that they tell you to do. See, that's just another religion. And you have to give up on that. Oh, I know. I know. You know what the, I think the most common one today is? Somebody lied to me. I've been cheated. I, I'm a victim. God should let me in just because he feels bad for me. No. Whatever you think about you that God should let you into heaven for, that's what you got to give up on. I paid my bills. Good. You know the most tragic, this, if anything breaks my heart, it's when I see a white-haired old man with a jacket on with a picture of Vietnam on the back, and he says, I'll go to heaven when I die because I already spent my time in hell. I hasn't. Man, I feel bad for that. If I had anything to say, with it, uh, say about it, every veteran would go to heaven. I would. I appreciate him. I'm not a veteran. I, I am here tonight because of what they did. And they got to take the jacket off at the altar and say, no, this isn't going to do it either. And on June 14, 1970, what I had known for 20 years in my head became real in my heart. And I took his death and his burial and his resurrection as the sole complete payment for my sins. Say, what is that? What if you went to pay your car, make your next car payment? The bank said, oh, we can't take your car payment anymore. Well, what's the matter? Somebody came in and paid your, paid your car off. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, I don't want it. Doesn't matter. Paid off. You can send the payments in. It won't do a bit of good. Guys, the payment for your sin is not in the future. It was taken care of 2,000 years ago. It's already been done. And I, I know how to tell you this. You can't do a better job. You can't suffer enough. You can't be good enough. You can't get baptized enough. You can't join enough churches. You can't join enough campaigns. You can't save enough poor people out there who are starving uh, and, and are, you know, homeless. You can't do enough to supersede what he did by being murdered for being the only righteous man that ever walked this earth. And then three days and three nights later, walk out and say, well, that didn't work, did it, guys? <laughs> Because you can't keep a good man down. And so if you're here now, you visitors, no one in this room wants you to become a Baptist. Correct? Okay. Now you heard the pastor. 
No one in this room, if you are a visitor, I don't care what you are, I don't care if you're a Methodist or a, if you're Jewish, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Roman Catholic, if you're an Episcopalian, whatever you are, no one wanted you to come here tonight hoping that you would become a Baptist because that would just mean that you would be a damned Baptist instead of a damned whatever else you are. You know what we were hoping? If you haven't taken the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your personal payment, yours, they're hoping you do that tonight. You say, why? Let me show you something. I'll show you this and I'll be done. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And Now, you visitors, when a Baptist preacher says, I'll be done, these guys know I'm lying. <laughs> you visitors, you just got a glimmer of hope. Forget it. But this is the verse that like to knock my socks off the day I got saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's a good deal. I will tell you, I'll give you this one last story. and I'll try to get done. I went down to Bible college 10 weeks after I got saved. I was saved in Ohio, went down to Pensacola, Florida, go to Bible college. Uh, new life, I really appreciated. I was living for God. I was in Bible college, <clears throat> but I had a little problem. And you know what my problem was? That verse. I believed it, but that verse was a little problem. Here's why. I knew, and I, I told the Lord, I wasn't complaining. I wasn't complaining, but here's what I told the Lord. I, guys, I stole my first car when I was 14 years old. I spent my first night in jail when I was 14 years old. And I, I went to the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, I said, uh, Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. But in my hometown of Maslin, Ohio, somebody could go into the police department, go to the files, go to G, pull it out, look for Samuel C., Gip, and there's my police record. Everything I did from the time I was 14 that they found out about. It would be a lot thicker if they knew the truth. And I said, I said, Lord, I'm not complaining, but this says old things are passed away, and there's still a police record in Maslin, Ohio. And I didn't complain about it, but, but that went on. Well, now, you know, I went down there, and, and about the first two years of, of uh, Bible college, most of the mail that I got wasn't addressed to me. It was addressed to the guy that lived there before me. His name was Resident. And the guy before that was a guy named Occupant. You ladies would be brokenhearted how many food coupons I threw away, grocery store coupons, millions of dollars. But at the end of my second year of Bible college, I got a letter addressed to me that got my attention. I said, that's cool. That's to me. Then I looked at the return address, and it really got my attention. It was, it was sent to me from the Ohio State Department of Juvenile Justice. I knew exactly what happened. One of my friends got busted for something and ratted me out See, there's a lot of unsolved crime, 1968, 1969, first half of 1970. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, I know what i got to do. I have to go back to, to Ohio and go to jail. So I thought, I am going to handle this like a Christian should. <clears throat> I'm going to throw it away and act like I never got it. <laughs> I thought that is going to be honest. So I told the Lord. Before I opened it up, I said, okay, Lord. I said, I'm going to finish out the year. And then I'm going to go back home and I'm going to surrender myself for whatever they said I did because I'm sure I did it. And I'm going to go to jail. And I opened it up 
That is not what it said at all. It said this. Dear Mr. Gipp, we at the Ohio State Department of Juvenile Justice notice that you haven't been arrested for two years. And I thought, I haven't. That was a pretty good thought. Don't look at me. You guys never got a letter like that. Anyway, I thought, yeah, I haven't been arrested for two years. Now, you understand that the world does not understand salvation. If a guy came here tonight, got saved, went to his best friend tomorrow at work and said, I got saved yesterday and walked away. Somebody else walked over and said, what did he say? said he got religion. Here's what it said. Because you haven't been arrested for two years, it's obvious you've turned over a new leaf. Well, they don't under, they got the concept right, correct? And they said, since you haven't been arrested for two years, you're obviously trying to turn over a new leaf. So your police record has been pulled from our file, permanently sealed, never to be opened again. And the last line in this letter was the coolest thing. It said, now if you ever do a form, fill out a form for job application, and there's a line on there that says, do you have a police record? You can honestly say no. And when I read that, you know what went through my head? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I think I said it this morning. There's only two kinds of sin in the world, not mortal and venial. There's the sins we brag about, and there's the sins we're ashamed of. And everybody in this room, you know something about yourself that is so unflattering, you don't want the person you love the most ever here to find out the truth about you. And that all got wiped out at that altar when I got saved. And when you take the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as the sole complete payment for your sin, give up on your religion, give up on your own goodness, it is wiped out. It is gone. That is a super good deal. I'd like you to stand with your heads bowed, if you will. Your head's bowed, your eyes closed. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Nobody's going nobody's to, you know, come up and grab you by the arm, try to drag you any place or anything like that. You're safe with your eyes closed. Nobody's going to pick your pocket. I came into a Baptist church just like this one on my way to hell. The invitation was given just like what we're about to do. I came forward. I took Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I walked out of that church. Look, I walked in that church on my way to hell. I walked out on my way to heaven. Not because I am good in any way. Because I'm not. I'm not even today. I'm not good. But it wasn't my goodness. It wasn't baptism. It wasn't church membership. It was the payment that Jesus Christ made that I believed all my life. But I'd never made it personal. Is there anybody here who would say this? Nobody's going to put pressure on you. Preacher, I, I, I know you, you fit, probably figure you're a pretty good person. Preacher, I, I think I'm a good person, but I don't know, I'm not 100% confident that if I died now, I'd go to heaven. But I'd sure like to have that confidence. Just lift your hand up. I'd, I'd be glad to pray for you. Just put it up. I, I'm just not sure. I'd like to be sure. All right, thank you. Let me make you an offer. It's not an offer from me. It's not an offer from this church. It is an offer that that, that Bible made 2,000 years ago. You read it. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you would like to have the real hope, 
If you would like to have all of your sins, not only forgiven, but blotted out as though they never happened. If you would like your divine record in heaven, pulled from the file, sealed, never to be opened again. If you'd like to be able to pill your head at night going, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Not because I'm a Baptist or a Methodist, not because I'm a Democrat or Republican, not because I march for the cure or give to some good charitable organization, but because I took the payment that was already made. If you'd like to do that, here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have a word of prayer, then the organ will play. And if you would like, if, if maybe you just got a question. Maybe you say, well, you know, I, I, I don't quite get this. The pastor's going to be standing up here. You come up and say, preacher, could, could somebody explain a little more of this? And I will, I will tell you this. Before you leave this room, you'll have your questions answered. And really, guys, even today, getting an honest answer is getting so hard to do. Isn't it nice to be able to get an honest answer? And if you want to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can do that. And you could mark down November 6th, 2022, as your second birthday, just like I marked June 14th, 1970, as my second, the day I took Christ as my personal Savior. So if you haven't trusted Christ, I will tell you this. If you come forward and trust Christ, you will not leave here a Baptist. You will leave here with the religion you came in with. You just won't be trusting it anymore. You'll be trusting Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your kindness. Lord God, you are so kind because none of us can be good enough to get to heaven. And I really believe, Lord, you could have just dropped down some money and paid for our souls. The Bible says the blood of bulls and goats can't, can't take away sin, but you could have made it so it did. You did not have to pay the price for me and for all these people that you paid, it was the life and the blood of your only begotten son. What a high price for an article that is just not worth the price. And God, I'm sure there's someone here and they're trusting something. They're not a terrible person. They, every day on the news, they see people uh, just a thousand times worse than they are. We're not, we're not a, a group here tonight of uh, mass murderers or child molesters, God. There's probably some very good people, some of uh, Auburn or this area, some of the best citizens here. But that citizenship will not get them into heaven. They can't make a better payment than what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And they cannot raise themselves from the dead. So Lord, maybe someone tonight will make this their second birthday. They will be born again, as the Bible says. They'll take Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection as the sole complete payment for their sin. And give up on everything else and leave here with not only assurance of salvation, but the peace that comes with that. With the blessed hope that all the things, the negative, terrible things that this world's going to go through in the future, they won't be here for. What a loving God you are. So I pray some people, God, do some things that are to their eternal benefit. If there's some saved folks here, God, and they just haven't been living like they should, this would be a good night to give up on the world give up on whatever they're chasing and decide they're going to give whatever time we have left to live into your glory. So this is for these people, Father. It is to their edification and your glory. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. With your heads bowed and eyes